0: daily inspiration podcast on the planet in 15 to 20 minutes. Let's go. And with us right now, we have Michael F. Shine. And Michael, you're the president of Micro Fame Media. New book coming out right around the corner, The Hype Handbook. So this this podcast episode is going to be all all about hype. And one thing I know, Michael, is that we live in a very hype-driven society.
1: That is very true, Josh. <laughs> very, very true.
0: So, when did you begin to? I mean, I know you've been in the marketing space, uh, but but how did you say? You know what? I'm going to start studying hype and how this how this all works.
1: It, it's funny. In 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 some ways, the hype came before the marketing space. So I um I never wanted to start a business or own a business or be involved in business. You know, I um wanted to do something artsy i wanted to write novels or play in bands i played in punk bands of all things a long time ago you know no
0: kidding wait all right so let's let's go back now <laughs> yeah. you got my attention okay <laughs> so normally i'm wearing my husker Doo t-shirt oh really oh, oh, that's oh my cool. gosh that's awesome um, okay now now you have some serious credit if you know who that is <laughs> yeah so, yeah of course yeah yeah it's kind of funny Almost. because yeah. So this year I've been uh, stocking up on my Gen X t-shirt. So I got black flag. Sonic Youth is in the mail. I should get that next week, Monday. So now I'm like getting all these t-shirts that I had back in the day. But, you know, now that I'm you know, successful in business and live in Florida, you know, band t-shirts are a great way to go. Yeah, tell tell me more about your music background.
1: So we're going to have to talk about this uh, at, at at another point when we you know, and I'm from Florida, so we have a lot to talk about. But uh, um, yeah, <laughs> but yeah, so so it's funny, so um, and it's actually very intimately connected because you know I uh, out right out of college I was going to change rock and roll. Little did I know that rock and roll wouldn't exist. You know, <sighs> yeah. when I was 43 years old, but you know at that time, and so and and um, what what year was this? So this this was um like 2000 to to 2004
0: oh okay okay great great yeah boy so you're like you know right before the you know the implosion of rock or the slow death of of rock
1: yeah it was it was right in the middle of that um kind of resurgence of rock that everyone thought would be the new nirvana Mm -hmm. and wasn't like the strokes and interpol we were in in during that time you know and and, yeah um, so, yeah, I mean, we, we were really into groups like like Bowie and Devo and the Sex Pistols mm-hmm. who were very theatrical and whose yeah. managers, you know, really um, had a lot to do with bringing a lot of attention to them through th- theatrics. And, and we were that sort of band. And, you know, it, very few people actually make it and rock imploded. That being said, we had a following and we sold out Arlene's grocery on a Wednesday night. And I think the reason we were able to do that is because we hyped ourselves up. I mean, I was mm-hmm. I was always a bit of a marketer without knowing it. And I, I was really into Malcolm McLaren from uh, the Sex Pistols who if, if anyone knows who he was, he was a complete hype artist. You know, when Queen Elizabeth II um, the second had her silver jubilee party on the Yeah, country, the yeah. barge. Yeah, they rented a barge and played this <laughs> very offensive song and Richard Branson was there and was getting taken off by the police, you know, and whatever. So you know, I used to do things like I would dress like a nun on stage and and play this song called Ash Wednesday," which was very offensive, but it got yeah. some attention we were in New York press, et cetera et cetera et cetera so this thing after having a great run of it and doing well probably better than we should have had given my own musical ability at the <laughs> least, um you know, we imploded and i went and and I didn't know what to do, so I got a job and um you know I'm a hard worker and I'm not a dummy, and I started to do well there and and it it um the the company had a startup division. So it was an entertainment oriented startup division, but that folded and they shifted us all into the main business. So to make a long story short, uh, eight years went by and I was an executive in the contact center industry. I mean, I was a vice president of solution development after working long and hard, you know, at the thing. And I was working for the CMO and, and whatever, but you know, I learned a lot there and, and being there for three years was, was, um, really, it made me a business person, but being there for eight years, you know, by the end of that, I was kind of like, this is not my calling, you know, I mean, I wanted to write novels, even and that I wanted to do before I played music, I even in the band, I was writing songs. So, you know, again, we, we don't have a lot of time together. But after a lot of hair pulling and heart wrenching, and, you know, the whole deal, I, I I quit. And I figured because I worked for the CMO, and because I was a good writer, I'd be able to make it as a freelance, copywriter freelance content writer. Mm. And I had about a year's worth of savings because I got some bonuses and never, um, spent them. And I almost lost all my money because what I realized was, is that marketing myself in that way, it didn't matter how good a writer I was. And it didn't matter that I knew how to do corporate marketing. I just had no idea how to drum up attention for myself. And so I started reading all the marketing books and it didn't work. I mean, I I was, I was really struggling and I, I was, it was very stressful and I was, I was, uh, someone offered me a job and I was ready to take it and I didn't really want to. And then I had this insight. I said, you know, I'm reading all of these marketing books. And at the time, you know, they were, you know, it was the beginning of social media marketing and there was all this technical information and this and that and landing pages and this, that, mm-hmm. and the other. But I remember being really into lowercase marketing when I was a kid with, with these rock managers and things. And, and I started to say, you know, and I always have not been into weird things like interested in cults for whatever reason and propaganda, just interested in all, all of that, mass psychology stuff, which I didn't know what it was called at the time. So I, I started to think, I was like, well, what if I, it, would it be possible to do those kind of things ethically? Is it that these tactics are horrible tactics? And that's one possibility. Or is it that on balance, terrible people see the world how it is and do it more than not terrible people, but that it still can be done in a good way. Just like the sex pistols manager. Right. Which, you know, I think by and large, that was good music and it made people's lives better. So I gave it a shot. So one thing that I, I, researched was this idea of making enemies, you know, that people come together around common enemies. So there's a guy named who you've probably heard of called Gary Vaynerchuk. Are you familiar?
0: <laughs> with, with yeah, I've heard of the name. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: so some people, you know, but if you ask people in certain communities, they don't know. And then in our community, right. you no know Elvis, you know? Yeah, right. Yeah. But 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 at the time, um first of all, I think he's a genius. I mean, I think wine library TV was great, but this this whole idea of hustle around the clock that he was shoveling to kids, to young people who weren't weren't making a fraction of the money he was, it it didn't make any sense to me. And I was, you mm-hmm. know, selling structured content, you know, content done in a structured quick way. So, I wrote an article for Inc. I talked my way into getting a column for Inc. And I wrote an article called Why Gary Vaynerchuk is Flat Out Wrong. And I was um, very respectful. I, I yes. didn't troll him. That's not what mm-hmm. I did. But I, I challenged his ideas. And my life changed. I mean, that night, he recorded a video about me by name. And he started out being respectful. And by the end, he was sweating and rambling and talking about uh, how much money he made. And I mean, because I, I really got uh, under his skin. And I, I, again, I respect him. I do. But but yeah. people don't challenge him, you know? No, that's right. Yeah. Um, and all his followers, his maniacs, started blowing up my phone, Twitter, and telling me I was an idiot and I was lazy and blah, 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 which was funny because mm-hmm. I was working seven days a week and not making mm-hmm. money. But um, I started getting all these fans because all the people who didn't know, you know, who, who felt the same way I did sort of became my tribe. So to make a very long story short, I started studying all of these sort of esoteric, weird non-marketers who were actually marketers. And I just kind of took back the word hype and, um, I, it turned into an agency. I mean, people started to want the marketing more than the, uh, the writing. And I started to do you know well with that. And then, um, from there, I started to write about these concepts because in, in, I was a writer first in Forbes and in Inc and in Psychology Today and in Huffington Post. And um, it just sort of became an obsession and I've come full circle. Now I'm, I'm writing, you know, I have a, the book coming out in January, The Hype Handbook, McGraw-Hill, and it's going to be kind of this Bible of, uh, what are these principles? How do you ethically yeah. apply these hype principles?
0: Yeah, you know, and, and I think that that's part of it. You know, you, you'd pointed this out a couple of times about, um, you know, kind of stirring stuff up, maybe unintentionally, but when you take a strong stand, um, you know, it, it evokes in, in our, you know, connected social media world, um, anybody can chime in and they're, you know, I think a lot, most people maybe don't care about the consequences if they believe, you know, it, it's like if you engage someone politically and they're very, very strongly, you know, that they're... they're right or left in, in this case right. or they have very very strong opinions they don't mind telling you uh, and they don't mind telling you how you are wrong and they're right uh, but here's the thing you know one thing I wanted to point out we, we had one client remember one time and he's in the bay area and he was offering a program where you go out with, like, Army Rangers, Navy SEALs, and you learn man skills, wow. right? And so, he had the opportunity, wrote an editorial for one of the major San Francisco newspapers. And he basically said, you know, the, the whole purpose of, like, let me tell you why men are such weenies in the Bay Area. <laughs> and he said, it's because the women are all ball busters. Now, incredibly controversial yeah, for sure. that's in that area of I course mean, oh yeah. my gosh and in this you era know, yeah yes right right and so uh but it was really interesting what he experienced um just a lot of death threats um cool. as you can imagine things like that however kind of like your experience with the Gary Vaynerchuk thing you know there was an audience there that said you know what I resonate with what you're saying. You know, I, maybe your language is a bit strong, uh, but I get it. Like, I understand what you're where you're coming from. And by the way, I am in no way saying I agree or disagree here. Course, yeah, I'm yeah. just telling a story. Oh, <laughs> and so, so you're getting my my personality is like, I, I'm way too, I think I'm probably way too much of a pleaser here to like be too controversial on some things. On some things, I'm non-negotiable. And I will absolutely take a stand and get my soapbox on. Uh, but, um, you know, in his case, you know, he said, you know, felt like 60, 70% of the population just hated him, came out and just blasted him. But the thing is, his business ended up doing very, very well for a season. Uh, And it's because that 10% of the population resonated with him. He was kind of right on that edge where they really, and and the thing is, you know, what we were talking was like, listen, you know, the 60, 70% that hate you, they were never going to give you money to begin with. So your ability to create a stir really brought a lot of attention to the issue. And it it uncovered that 10% of the population that really resonated with what you had to say, right or wrong. Uh, and But that's who he was marketing to. And he said, Josh, I would never do it again. It was good for business, but you know, I I don't, I, I don't ever want to, li- I don't want to live through that again. <laughs> but, but I
1: think what's interesting about this is that that's, that was, that happened to be the first strategy that I used and I blundered into it, but uh, it's one of many principles, you know, I mean, yeah. there it's, it's like, it's not about, you know, when people say there's no such thing as bad publicity, what I started to learn was when you really master this thing that I'm calling hype, which again, I'm defining as creating a lot of emotion in a group of people to get them to take actions on your behalf. You don't just go out trolling. There are other tactics. Like one is, so you're, you said you're a pleaser, right? I'm a little bit like you. I mean, one, one tactic or strategy that is maybe even more powerful, I call piggybacking and you see it all the time. So there was this gentleman, Edward Bernays in the 20s, he basically got Americans to eat bacon. Americans did not eat bacon for breakfast because he had such a strong network of doctors that he basically got one of the most powerful doctors in America to write a letter to 5,000 other doctors telling them that bacon was the um, perfect breakfast breakfast food because it replaced the energy you lost during sleep because Mm -hmm. Beech Nut, which was a pork producer, was a client of this guy. So Mm -hmm. basically by the power of, what you would call it, people-pleasing. I call it piggybacking off other people's networks. Mm-hmm. He basically changed the eating habits of a country. So there, there are many, <laughs> many, there are many, many strategies that, yeah. you know, that aren't just picking fights and causing controversy.
0: So if I'm in business for myself and I want to create a name for myself, or maybe, you know, I'm an author, speaker, coach, like I have my own personal brand and I'd want to, I want to collect attention, you know, I guess, let's just clarify this uh to this person no you don't have to take a bunch of people off
1: (laughs) no no it really depends you know i mean um i mean i've boiled. you know i i read hundreds of books about everyone from horrible cult leaders to martin luther king from rock managers to propaganda artists and of all of those you know things there are about 12 principles that you can boil it down to but there are many permutations. And no, I mean, a lot of it doesn't happen is, is ticking people off. So I talk about Martin Luther King. People get angry when I say he was a hype artist. But that, I, I, sh- I do that to show you that some of the greatest people to get noticed used hype. Now, he didn't try to make people angry. He was challenging notions. What he did that was so sophisticated because he was going to make people angry, that actually hurt mm-hmm. him making people angry because he wasn't in the mainstream culture he made himself safe. So he took very radical ideas and wrapped them in the wrapping paper of things that people were already familiar with. So if you listen to his talks, he uses language from the Declaration of Independence, from the Constitution. You know, what's that one talk where he, he says, um, not glory, glory, hallelujah, but from that same hymn, you know, he says, my eyes have seen the coming. I forget, I, I, people are going to call in and tell me what it is. But <laughs> what he did was he took radical ideas yeah because he was his ideas were too radical and wrapped them in familiar language so that's another mm-hmm. principle that's almost the opposite principle
0: yeah uh so michael so today when people come to you first off like who do you serve and what's the what's the pain point that they're looking to solve with with your agency yeah um no
1: it's a it's a good question so um in regards to the the pain point because for a while, I, I, when I first started the business, and and um, this this was a mistake, I figured why wouldn't everyone want the kind of marketing we do? And and mm-hmm. it, and it turns out that while a lot of different types of businesses and people could use it, there's a small subset of people and companies who know they need it. So let let me go back a little bit. So the idea is that if you're selling ideas, if you're like a consultant or a certain high-level executive coach or, or, or even a technology company where the ideas that you represent are more important than sort of the, the thing itself, like not, you're not selling sheet metal or microchips, there's something idea-driven about it, mm-hmm. a lot of times if you're at a certain level, and, and some of your listeners probably can identify with this, you, you look at the person who's more successful than you and what no. you do might be excellent and what they do might be merely good, but they're making more money. And you say to yourself, how is it that I'm excellent and they're just good? Now, the mediocre and bad people just don't do well. But how is it that they're excellent, that I'm excellent and they're good and, and I'm, they're doing better? And usually what they've done is that they've found a niche. They've packaged themselves in a very simple, standout way. And they've basically learned how to blitz that niche with this message over and over and over again, using the right media. Whereas the people who are excellent, they're usually focused on making their product better, 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 you know, uh, marginally better, 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 which is always important. But they don't understand how to explain what they do. They don't understand how to get out into the world. They don't know how to become the dominant figure in their niche. So if you look up the word micro fame, there's a, de- there's a New York Times article about microfame, that concept, and there's mm. an article, and then there's us, you know? So, we've, so we kind of are the agency that um, is known for this idea that in the modern internet age, it's not about being on Oprah necessarily and being famous. If you can just find a niche, find your small world, And become the dominant figure in that niche and there are so many niches now that's the beautiful thing that you can really really do well for a long period of time so that that's essentially what we do if there's an idea driven company a consultant uh, um, some sort of coaching company a technology company that's based on ideas anything that's idea driven We'll do a bunch of research, find the next best niche they should play in, find the most influential players in that niche, figure out their honed in contrarian point of view or their strong point of view, and then do a series of experiments until we figure out exactly that formula for making it appear like they're everywhere all the time with this dominant message. And usually it results in, in, you know, a lot of business for them. So it's a wacky little thing that we do. We kind of made it up, but, uh, it's been good to us. And I think
0: tactically, tactically, what does that look like?
1: Yeah. Um, and and again, remember uh, from a from kind of a high level point of view, I was inspired by a lot of those hype artists. But tactically, we 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 completely play with the tools of the day. So um, it's funny. Whenever I talk to a new prospect or a new um, client, I always say to them that while there are a lot of great agencies out there, I mm-hmm. admit something that that very few agency owners you know um, do. And they'll ask what, and I'll basically say that marketers, including me, don't know what they're doing. And they laugh. And I say, well, what I mean by that is that you can be a really talented marketer. You can know how to use all the tools. You can understand it. You can have a knack for it. But the idea that you're going to sign on with a you know, you're going to implement some strategy, the launch strategy by Jeff Walker, which is brilliant when it first came out. And it's brilliant in a lot of cases. And a lot of people use it well. But every industry is different. People have read the book already. They understand the tactics. So this idea that you can put up a certain series of landing pages with Instagram behind it, and it's going to work that way every time, we just don't believe that, that that works. So what we do instead is we conduct experiments. So we start out and we create a hypothesis. So we'll say, okay, what is that unusual point of view, that contrarian point of view? Okay, what's our hypothesis for the mechanisms? Is it a podcast combined with content, combined with SEO, whatever it is? And then we run very small experiments and we're okay with failing as long as it's quick. And then we say, okay, A, B, and C worked, D, E, and F didn't. And we keep refining it. And it takes about three months, but it's in the real world. So you're getting results. But by the end of that three, four months, you have your little micro marketing campaign. You know exactly for your industry, your space, your world, what is that series of ideas, tactics, strategies, and tools you need to do. And then we scale it up, you know, and it runs like a machine. I just threw a lot at you. Does that make sense? Please feel free to ask away.
0: Yeah, there's a lot there. And and, we ran out of time. All right, Michael, you are you are a one hour interview kind of guy. And (laughs) I apologize to having to squeeze this into like 20, 25 minutes here. Um, But so Michael F. Shane, uh, shine, excuse me, Uh and your new book is the hype handbook mm-hmm. uh you could pre-order right now if it's not available just yet um it looks like that the official launch date is that in january
1: it's january 12th you know and you know on amazon and all the usual places yes we will ha- hopefully uh you know book some bookstores too even though we're all in a crazy world right now
0: <laughs> yeah microfame media.com michael f shine thank you so much for joining us thanks it's,
1: it was such a pleasure jeff